In this JIMD shortcast, Demi Benaru, Michael Chan and Kate Billmore explain their work, Glycogen Storage Disease Type 3A in Pregnant Women, A Guide to Management, first published in March 2022. So our report details the case of how a 25-year-old woman with glycogen storage disease type 3A was managed through her first pregnancy. This case was interesting for us as it was our first experience in the peripartum management of a woman with this condition who underwent a caesarean section. There's only a few case reports as well as the consensus guidelines from 2010 in the literature describing pregnancy in GSD3, so we thought it would be helpful to describe our experience. This young lady was diagnosed with glycogen storage disease by liver biopsy at five months of age, after initially presenting with delayed motor milestones and massive hepatomegaly. Her childhood history was notable for muscle involvement at presentation, with CK consistently over 2000 regardless of regular cornstarch. No cardiac involvement was ever noted. She also had sleep apnea in childhood, necessitating adenotonsillectomy, and also she had severe reflux requiring a Nissen fund application. Her metabolic control in adulthood prior to pregnancy was modest with moderate hepatomegaly and a creatine kinase of 2,260 when last measured. A structured high protein meal plan with regular carbohydrates and overnight uncooked cornstarch was prescribed during her first trimester. The plan was based around her existing meal pattern with meals and snacks spaced two to three hours apart. In contrast to her usual diet, she was provided with a prescribed amount of carbohydrate at each meal to provide 0.2 to 0.3 grams per kilo of ideal body weight per hour. There was an emphasis placed on not exceeding prescribed carbohydrate doses to minimise excessive weight gain and risk of gestational diabetes. She was commenced on 90 grams of uncooked cornstarch at 10pm, which equated to 1.3 grams per kilo ideal body weight. She was also given protein targets using a 7 gram exchange list, aiming for a total protein intake of 1.5 grams per kilo ideal body weight per day. In GSD3, gluconeogenesis remains intact and therefore exogenous gluconeogenic protein can be used as an additional source of carbohydrate. Theoretically, endogenous proteolysis by skeletal muscle breakdown is reduced, preventing myopathy, which was the rationale for providing a higher protein diet in this case. At 28 weeks pregnancy, her carbohydrate prescription in the evenings was reduced due to weight gain and pre-meal blood glucose levels frequently above seven. Weight gain slowed significantly after this adjustment. The woman's biochemistry improved significantly with the structured diet plan. Her creatinine kinase dropped from 2,260 to 294 at mid-pregnancy. Her antenatal period was unremarkable. The only change to routine care was at the time of routine fasting glucose tolerance test, where the woman adjusted her uncooked cornstarch the night before to 9.5 hours before the scheduled test time. At 38 weeks, the decision was made to induce labour in the patient based on a history of decreased fetal movements and oligohydramnios. After five hours of early labour and at a cervical dilatation of two centimetres, the woman's fetal trace became abnormal and she proceeded to an emergency caesarean section. The baby boy was delivered in good condition. During the caesarean section, the patient received 10% glucose IV at a rate of 3.5 milligrams per kilo per minute with hourly blood sugar levels and an active third stage of labor, including 40 units of oxytocin in a liter of fluid. 
there's an increased risk of hyperglycemia in the postpartum period due to demands of breastfeeding. To alleviate this, the patient commenced 15 grams of uncooked cornstarch prior to each breastfeed. She ceased the uncooked cornstarch and breastfeeding at four weeks due to maternal choice. As this woman successfully met the metabolic requirements of delivery and postpartum without an episode of hypoglycemia or other crises, we suggest that this strategy could be followed for similar cases. We'd like to acknowledge the contribution of the managing obstetrician, Dr. Nayer, in this case. If you'd like to read the paper, please click the link in the podcast description. Thanks for listening.